Welcome to the Minor and Landis Immigration Update Podcast for June 13th, 2021. This week's podcast was written by Minor and Landis Immigration Associate Kristen Sisko and immigration partner Lynn Walker from their notes after attending dozens of virtual panels from the AILA Annual Conference this past week. Something wonderful happened on June 9th, which was the first day of the 2021 AILA Annual Conference, and it created a sense of immense optimism amongst immigration practitioners who, along with their clients, have suffered these past four years. Foreign nationals, employers, and immigration practitioners do not need any reminders that the last four years have been a regulatory and administrative nightmare for anyone seeking to secure an immigration benefit. The Trump administration's policies wreaked havoc on USCIS and the Department of State, which, when paired with the global pandemic caused by COVID-19, have resulted in unprecedented hardships for many stakeholders in the U.S. immigration system. When President Biden, whose campaign promised to reform our immigration system to one that was fair and compassionate, when he took office, we were all very excited. However, as we've noted in our previous podcasts, after President Biden's first 100 days in office, change was slow, and many of the changes made to that point were cosmetic, or otherwise low-hanging fruit, that did not create meaningful reform. We had yet to see any significant policy changes, and USCIS continued to operate much like it had under the Trump administration. Clearly approvable cases were being denied. The agency was interpreting and applying immigration laws and regulations in an arbitrary and capricious manner, and processing delays continued to grow to all-time historic levels. While there is still definitely room for improvement, the proposed changes we learned of during the AILA conference made us very optimistic. Here are some of them. On June 9th, during the first day of AC21, USCIS announced three major policy changes. One, employment authorizations will be valid for two years instead of the previous one-year validity period. Two, there will be an issuance of RFEs and NOIDs instead of denials for additional information. In 2018, USCIS issued a policy authorizing adjudicating officers to deny petitions and applications that lacked evidence without first providing the beneficiary or applicant with the opportunity to provide additional documentation. USCIS announced that it was returning to its 2013 policy of issuing requests for evidence and notices of intent to deny when additional evidence could show that a beneficiary or applicant was eligible for an immigration benefit, ensuring that the agency is fairly and efficiently adjudicating immigration benefits. And three, the expansion of expedite request criteria. Now, this is a revision to the expedite criteria and circumstances, where USCIS may expedite a request for a benefit in five specific instances, where one, there is severe financial loss to a company or person, not due to the petitioner or applicant's failure to timely file the benefit request or timely respond to an RFE. Two, there is an emergent or urgent humanitarian need. Three, a nonprofit organization makes a request in the furtherance of a cultural or social interest of the United States 
for a government agency makes the request in the furtherance of a U.S. government interest, and five, USCIS needs to fix a clear agency error. Some additional welcoming news from AC21 included such highlights as employing special adjudicators at USCIS. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas announced his intent to create a pilot program to hire immigration attorneys to serve as special adjudicators for challenging USCIS cases, emailing the Foreign Nationals Immigration Council directly instead of mailing an RFE. Secretary Mayorkas acknowledged that the USCIS process of issuing and mailing or faxing RFEs is plagued with deficiencies, it's archaic, and has led to too many delays. The aim of this pilot program would be to reduce processing times and ensure efficient and fair adjudication of petitions and applications. They'll be hiring additional officers. After the Trump administration essentially gutted USCIS, Secretary Mayorkas announced that USCIS is continuing to work on a five-year stabilization plan to hire more officers, obtain additional funding through a combination of fee increases and congressional appropriations, and reduce the historic delays in case processing. Detention Facilities Secretary Mayorkas also acknowledged that detention facilities are often overused under the current immigration system and that only those individuals who pose a public safety threat should be detained. Court Delays Secretary Mayorkas recognized the agency's responsibility to process cases more efficiently without compromising fairness. Application Support Centers will be fully operational by July. Well, that's good news to be sure. Going digital, USCIS is investigating technologies and methods to create a digital infrastructure so that more benefits applications and petitions can be filed electronically, including expanding their e-request system to accommodate rescheduling requests for biometrics appointments. Expansion of premium processing. USCIS is looking to expand the categories for which it allows premium processing, which guarantees the processing of certain petitions or applications in 15 calendar days for an additional fee. And finally, reducing visa retrogression. For fiscal year 2022, which starts October 1, 2021, there will be approximately 262,000 employment-based immigration visa numbers made available and 226,000 family-based immigration visa numbers made available, which will help reduce some of the visa retrogression that we've been experiencing this year. So with this positive news, there still remains, in our opinion, areas that require immediate improvement, including we recommend rescinding the regional COVID-19 travel bans. As we noted in last week's podcast, these regional COVID-19 travel bans are not scientifically based, as they prohibit the entry of only certain non-immigrants and immigrants who were physically in about two dozen or more countries during the 14-day period preceding their entry or attempted entry into the United States. Individuals physically present in these countries, but who enter the United States in A, G, C, or D visa classifications are not barred from entering. These regional COVID-19 travel bans would seem to imply that COVID-19 infects individuals based on nationality, citizenship, or immigration status 
when we know that it clearly does not. We'd also like to see the alleviation of Department of State backlogs. There is a backlog of approximately 600,000 documentarily qualified applications for immigrant visas at the National Visa Center, compared to a typical backlog of about 40,000 applications. This is the result of the U.S. Embassy and consulate closures due to COVID-19 and staffing shortages as a result of the Trump administration eliminating approximately 200 to 300 consular officer positions over the course of its term. And how about some DOL guidance on remote workers and digital nomads? The U.S. Department of Labor has not provided clear and concise guidance on what to do when a U.S. employer no longer has a physical presence, i.e. brick-and-mortar headquarters or main office location. In response to the financial burdens created by COVID-19 and the shift to remote work, many companies have given up their physical office locations. However, in order to meet regulatory requirements for the H-1B and PERM labor certification programs, employers are required to post notices at their physical premises. So you can see the dilemma this leaves some employers in. DOL must provide clear, real-world guidance beyond telling practitioners to refer to the Farmer Memo, which was drafted in 1994 and never contemplated COVID-19. Digital nomad companies that conduct business but have no physical presence need more guidance than this. And finally, we have also been seeing problems with processing of national interest exceptions. U.S. embassies and consulates are being inundated with requests for National Interest Exceptions, or NIEs, to the regional COVID-19 travel bans. If granted, each NIE is valid for 30 days and one entry into the United States. Paired with staffing shortages and local COVID restrictions, consular officers have struggled to keep up with the demand to process NIE requests. But as we've been saying, these travel bans are not scientifically based. If the administration will not rescind the travel bans, then it should consider making these NIEs valid for multiple entries for at least six months. The news that we received this week from USCIS and AC21 was a much needed and welcome change from the past four years and gives us tremendous hope that the Biden administration will reform our US immigration system to one that is fair and compassionate. In addition, we are grateful to the dedicated staff at AILA, whose tireless advocacy and litigation have encouraged the Biden administration to take these positive and meaningful steps toward a better immigration system. As always, Minor and Landis will continue to closely monitor all immigration-related government operations and will publish updates as they happen. Thanks for listening.